welcome to the Woman Inspired Podcast. I'm Karen. I just briefly want to start off by letting you know that there is a place that you can go for some encouragement, a little bit of laughter, bits and pieces of inspiration, and that is my Instagram page that's tied to this podcast, The Woman Inspired. Hop on out to Instagram and you just have to search for One Woman Inspired. That's the number one followed by Woman Inspired all one word, all mashed together there. Or you can go on out to my website and you'll find social media links, meager as they are, (laughs) at the bottom of the page. Just scroll on down and you can click on one of those and you can follow. That would be great. And as you're out there, you can find additional information about this podcast and my other podcast called Inspired Whispers and how to schedule me to speak at your next event that you might be having. I would love that. I'm working on updating my event calendar, which is also housed on my website. So if you don't see anything out there yet, no worries. I have stuff. I just haven't had a chance to put it out there, but it's coming. All right. So today's podcast episode is titled Good Fruit, Bad Fruit, Fruitless. (laughs) Okay. It's a little fruity podcast. So we start off each podcast with a pod quote or two. So here goes. The first one is by C.S. Lewis. I believe in Christianity as I believe that the sun has risen, not only because I see it, but because by it, I see everything. I love that. He's just a great quotable guy, isn't he? All right. Uh, This is unknown. I have no idea who said this. Knowledge is knowing that a tomato is fruit. Wisdom is knowing not to put it in a fruit salad. I love that. I love that. Um, I've never tried a tomato and fruit salad and I hope I never do. All right. So yeah, today we're going to be fruity. We're talking about fruit. I know you all are probably pretty familiar, at least most people, not all, with the fruit of the spirit that's outlined in the Bible, as well as a whole lot of passages in the Bible that refer to bearing fruit. And I looked it up and they're about 65, depending on your version of the Bible, you know, which translation, 65 or 66 times in the New Testament that it talks about fruit and bearing fruit. But what I'm going to talk about concerning fruit is what the Holy Spirit has laid on my heart about the body of Christ as a whole and kind of individually, which I'm about a part of the body of Christ. And that is why so many of us claiming to be in the body of Christ are not bearing fruit. Most specifically, why there are entire churches bringing in hundreds of thousands of dollars a year in tithe and offerings, and yet they're not reaching their communities. So I'm not here to call out any names or pick on anyone. I'm not here to judge anybody or call out a denomination or any affiliation. That's not what I'm called to do and not what I'm going to do. But I think it hits almost everybody on some level or another when we start talking about fruit. Because I think all this fruity talk started a couple years ago when my women's group dug into the study of the book of Revelation just a little bit more than we had in the past. And we actually took a little over a year to study it. And hearing about the churches in the book of Revelation was so eye-opening. If you haven't read it, I encourage you to. Because we could sit and see the truth of those churches and overlay that same truth that's in Revelation onto a lot of the churches today and how they operate. I mean, if you look around, they aren't growing the people within their flock. And I'm not saying every church, so don't go off the deep end. I'm just saying there are a lot of churches that are not growing the people in their flock. 
a lot of people are sitting stagnant. I mean, spiritually stagnant for the most part, unwilling to grow or bear more fruit because they think over time, and I've seen this for myself. There are some people who think over time as they sit with their behind in the pew on Sunday morning that they've heard it all already. There's nothing new under the sun. There's no way that it can be repackaged and reapplied in their life because they've already been there, done that. They've learned what they're going to learn. They've seen it already. Boom, done. And the church leadership in a lot of churches is not challenging people to grow not feeding them or watering them with the word in a way that that causes them to grow as they should or to makes them desire thirst and hunger for more and some churches are not snatching up those around them like the word says to snatching them from the very flames of hell instead what we're seeing is christian after christian either sitting in the pew becoming stagnant and looking like a piece of the furniture or they start church hopping and some of it in fact, much of it, I think, sad to say, is warranted <laughs> as far as the church hopping goes. Because why do you think so many people go from church to church? You you see it all the time. It's not all because they don't agree with this committee or that committee. It's not That's not all the reason. That's a lot of what we hear. It's not about what color carpet there is or, or the committee meetings that they argue in or or how they serve meals on Wednesday or what time their Sunday services are. The, those are oftentimes excuses, I think. Um, that people use to bow out of a difficult situation. Not all the time, but the, these are used some of the time. Having worked in uh, various churches over 20 years, 20 plus years actually, prior to today, I can attest that, that this is often the fact. People leave when they're not being fed and when they aren't growing or when they don't feel the presence of God in the church any longer and when they aren't being taken care of or ministered to either ministered to in ways that that help them to know that they are valued and they're worth something to God and to the church and it's just become a huge trend we have some churches that have dynamic amazing preachers just just dynamic wonderful preachers who preach the word but the preacher himself, herself, or people on staff in the church are not ministering to people and their needs. There's a disconnect. We can't have one without the other. Uh, pre good, solid preaching in the Word of God has to be followed up by personal interaction uh, as we walk into somebody's life and we bring the Lord and the Holy Spirit with us. We can't just... It, we might as well sit behind a screen like we've been doing for years because of COVID and just tell people things. People need that human interaction. So the principle, though, isn't difficult to understand. If you're not fed, you don't grow. If you do not grow, you will not bear fruit. And if you don't bear fruit, you can't plant seeds because it takes fruit to plant seeds and seeds to plant fruit. So when those people in the body of Christ do not do what is spiritually placed within them to do and use their gifts, when they don't bear fruit, they don't stand up for other people, they don't minister to each other or use, like I said, use their gifts uh, or, or love people like Jesus loves and fulfill the great commission, then people in the churches go unfulfilled and they start to hop from church to church seeking other fulfillment. Sometimes they, they just they don't even hop from church to church. They just hop out of church and seek fulfillment in other ways. Eventually, the people who have stopped 
giving and growing that are in the church also end up leaving or church hopping because they're not seeing fruits of their labor. They're not seeing that they're um, appreciated or that what they're doing is making a difference. And that's hard to give and give and give and see that it makes no difference. Um, we're very visual people. Our, that's the way our human brains work. We want to see if we've made a difference. And a lot of times when you plant seeds, you're not going to see a difference for a very long time. You might not see those seeds grow. And it's hard to handle. It's hard to handle. So encouragement needs to be given to people who are out there bearing fruit and planting seeds because it's easy to give up. It's really easy to give up. But eventually, um, you might see a trend. Um, I think we are already seeing a trend in certain parts of the world where pastors and lay leaders are also starting to church hop. And let me just throw this right out there. It doesn't matter how much money you plop in the offering plate. If the individuals within the church are not being nurtured to grow, they will not bear fruit as we're called to bear fruit. You can't throw money upon money at church programs if the fruit bearing and the fruit loving fruity people aren't there to run the programs and do the outreach and distribute that fruit or the seeds. That's just, that's just plain and simple. But Matthew seven fifteen through 20 is really important here. We're actually going to focus on verse 19 and 20, but in order to do that, we have to understand the verses before it. We can't just pull a verse out of the Bible out of context and twist it to mean what we want. Well, I take that back. We can, but I don't suggest it. <laughs> a lot of times you'll hear someone talk about fruit, but they kind of gloss over verse 19 as if it doesn't even exist. So here's what it says. Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. And here's verse 19. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by your by their fruit, you will recognize them. So, a few summers ago, as I was working in my garden, I was kind of shocked. Um, part of it had become overrun with tomatoes. Like my, not just part, like my whole garden, <laughs> cherry tomatoes to be specific, which, much to my surprise, replanted themselves. They re-sowed themselves from the previous year and spread seeds throughout the entire garden. And I say they re-sowed themselves, but I accidentally did it is what happened. Because the year before that, I had two, just two cherry tomato plants um, that I had. But when I put leaves and compost into the garden at the end of the, the season, um, I just bent those over and pulled the leaves off of them so that they would decompose. And my husband tilled it all together in the spring. So the seeds that had dropped from the last few little dying tomatoes at the end of that season spread throughout the entire garden. <laughs> so guess what happened? We got tomato plants in the middle of the corn, in the middle of the green beans, in the middle of the rows of Sharon bush that was a little ways over from there, everywhere. So we ended up with, I think, somewhere around 20 plus cherry tomato plants throughout the entire garden, just blossoming like crazy too. It, it was cool, but at the same time, really annoying. <laughs> so God used this this blessing to, to make me think about seeds and fruit and dying at, at that time. And it's just all come back 
to me now the last couple of years and here recently, just really focusing on that and being a little fruity um, and fruit minded. <laughs> so, but to, I was able to bless other people with the tomato plants because I don't think I could have handled taking care of so many plants at one time. So there was a blessing out of it. Uh, however, it made me think about the planting those seeds. You know, we're told in John 15 that we are to obey his commands and remain in his love. In order to do that, though, we have to die to ourselves and our own worldly desires. And you're thinking, what does it have to do with cherry tomato plants? Well, I didn't think about the fact that as that fruit fruit was had been been growing and bearing and doing well, what happens when the fruit has done what it's supposed to do is that what's left will will die, right? And the seeds are inside that fruit. So when you give someone else fruit, I don't know if you've ever done this, but I might get uh, something from the store and I'll take the seeds out of it, see if I can grow them in my garden and half the time it works. Okay, so um, it's the same thing. If somebody gives you a tomato plant, you can slice it up, but you can keep a portion of it. Just take one little chunk of it and you can pull the seeds out of that, dry them out, and then next year you can plant them. See if you can get some tomato plants. See how much will germinate. It's the same thing. So I didn't realize that, okay, wait a minute. Those tomato plants had to die in order that they could reseed. That fruit had to be taken and utilized in order for the seeds to, to come out of that healthy piece of fruit so that the seeds can be distributed. That's how we get seeds. So again, we're told in John 15 that we are to obey his commands and remain in his love. And in order to do that, we must die to ourselves and our own worldly desires. Just like those, those, those blossoms on, on a plant have to die, just like the fruit will be no more, but what's left is seeds. So I'm not just talking about the big stuff that we have to die to ourselves too. If we lay that principle over on ourselves, I'm just not talking about like revenge and hatred affairs and drugs that we have to die to all the stuff that most people recognize as a bad thing. I'm talking about in all things that we're to put God first and seek out his word and his guidance rather than just taking our own path. I've personally been working harder this past year to do that, to just kind of let go and know that anything I want is so small in comparison to God's plan and what he wants for me. So what I have had to come to is a place where I step back and say, God, I want your will and not mine. Just please show me what to do and give me the strength to do it. You know, taking everything to him in prayer. Yeah, because sometimes I tune him out. Shh, don't tell him. I highly suggest you don't do the same thing. Don't tune him out. It makes life so much harder when you do that. I'm working on making sure I don't tune him out, that I don't push God away just because I'm tired or I feel grumpy um, or I'm upset about not getting my own way. Because in fact, I have to think sometimes how horrible my life would be right now if I had gotten my own way every time I wanted it. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Talk about a mess of fruit. My fruit salad would be rotten. Oh, anyway, I have to remember and keep going back to verses like John 12, tw uh, 24 through 25. And it tells us very truly, I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Those who love their life will lose it. While those who hate their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Yeah. So 
we can do so much more if we die to ourselves. But you see, there are churches everywhere filled with congregations who are not being fed, but they're also not being taught that they must die to their own worldly desires. They're being taught that it's okay to hold on to their old selfish lives as long as they come to church. As long as they give some money and they fill the pews. As long as they look the part and talk the part, then it's okay. And you know what? That very thing is something that keeps other people who don't know God away from the church. It's that very thing is the thing that keeps a lot of people believing that all Christians are hypocrites when it's not true. You know, what do they call it these days now? Um, optics. That's what they call it. It's all about the optics, right? Optics are, is just a fancy way of saying how things look uh, or how things look matter most, I think. Uh, but I'm here to tell you that there is more to being a child of God and producing fruit and planting seeds than optics. I mean, heck, you can go into someone's house and see an amazing bowl of fruit on their table, but come to find out after you bit into a beautiful red apple that is just there for looks. It's actually a piece of plastic fruit that you can buy at the store or maybe even find at a flea market someplace. It looks beautiful, makes the table look full and fancy, but it's empty. It's tasteless, tasteless. And very tasteless. I'm Well, probably not tasteless. It probably tastes like gross chemicals. And worse yet, it's toxic. That's how it is when we bear bad fruit and we try to feed it to other people. How many people are being taught, though, um, to come to church, just play the part, look good and pretty, give the money and get the numbers up? There are a lot of people being led to believe that all they have to do is come look the part of a Christian rather than do the work it takes to die to their selfish desires and walk this walk of faith. Jesus said, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. So since he is the vine and we are the branches and we are to bear fruit, what does that process look like? Let's take the very process of something bearing fruit, bearing fruit, excuse me, bearing fruit and, and, and really just look at it. First of all, the branches have to receive their life from the vine, right? Without the vine, there are no branches. They must be attached and they must be one with the vine in order to have sustenance. The vine is where they get their water, their nutrients from that come up from the soil and all of that. So secondly, when they're getting what they need from the vine, that's when they start to blossom. Every fruit and a lot of vegetables go through a process by which they first grow a flower, a blossom. They look beautiful. That is true beauty. Not fake, not plastic, not silk, not toxic. Just a beautiful blossom because they're attached to the vine and being fed and watered. So think about it. Cherry blossoms, for instance, or apple blossoms in the spring on the trees. Beautiful, right? Even tomato plants, zucchini, pumpkins, lots of things. They all have a beautiful bloom. But what happens next? In order for a tree or a branch to bear fruit... The blossoms, all those pretty little things have to die. The flowers die and what comes in its place is fruit. There's a part of us that has to die in order to bear that good fruit. We can't hold on to all the things outside of God that we're doing and still expect that good fruit is going to grow. We have to turn our backs on the things that pull us down and, and threaten to stop us from bearing good things and producing a harvest in our lives for God. So let's look at Matthew 7, verse 18 and 19. It says, A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, 
and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. And again, 19 says, Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. It's getting good now, right? (laughs) If we do not willingly allow our pretty little Christian facades and worldly desires to die, then we will not bear fruit. It's not a pain-free, easy process to allow your selfish desires to go to the wayside. It hurts. In the process of dying, it can get really ugly. Have you ever looked at a blossom as it's dying and, and the first portions of fruit are just kind of coming out of it? it the, the, the blossoms and the petals that kind of look soggy in spots or it's dry and brown in other spots and shriveled up and it's not so pretty looking, <laughs> but it's in the midst of becoming beautiful. It's in the midst of a very necessary process. In order for the fruit or the vegetable to come forth, the blossom has to die. What we have is a huge portion of the body of Christ unwilling to die or not being told they need to die because they like sitting around looking at each other, telling each other how pretty they are. There are many churches that stay in this blossom state looking really nice, but never encourage or feed their flock to grow enough to die so that they can actually bear fruit. And we have to bear fruit in order to spread the seeds. They'd rather have a church filled with 2,000 people who look pretty because it looks good and the optics are right than they would a church of 100 people dying to themselves and bearing fruit that will one day spread seeds. So now we see again what it says. It says that a good tree cannot bear bad fruit. Makes sense. And a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Also makes sense. But pay close close attention because it says that every tree, tree that does not bear fruit, as in no fruit at all, is cut down and thrown into the fire. And yet we have countless numbers of Christians unwilling to make the sacrifice it takes of dying to their own selfish desires in order to actually bear fruit to spread seed you know to do the work it takes now to reach other people for christ and we have a lot of people who don't even know about it they don't know you know the more i do bible study at home with my women's group even though i have degrees (laughs) Even though I have studied the word for a long time, I'm always discovering things that I did not know. Those are the things that we're supposed to be sharing with other people. And it's somebody's responsibility to be teaching me, right? And it's my responsibility to be teaching other people. And when you know it or those other people know it, it's their responsibility to teach other people. That's how it goes. But if we're all just sitting in a pew looking pretty, nobody's planting seeds, nobody's bearing fruit, nobody else is learning. And and, and the people who don't know won't know. Are we just kind of setting our own agendas and ignoring what God's calling us to do? Are we using the gifts and talents and the money, the the blessing, I don't know, of extra time in our week solely for selfish reasons? Are we lavishing our own lives with, with lots of extra goodies and worldly things that, you know, when we see that someone else is in need and we don't even think or care to help them? I'm not talking about avoiding self-care. I'm not talking about making sure you take care of your temple and your family and you put God first. I'm not talking about that. But all of these other things is not dying to self. It's selfishness. It's embracing selfishness and we're not supposed to live that way. And yeah, there is hope for a bad tree. Make no bones about it. There is. Notice it does not say that all bad trees will be cut down and thrown into the fire. 
Why? Because there is such a thing as transformation. And everyone at some point has borne bad fruit. We all have. Let's not pretend that we all bear beautiful fruit, that we can skip through the fields uh, around the vine and sing zippity doo dies if we, we don't see that God is calling us to do more and do better. We all fall short and sometimes we bear bad fruit here and there. Or we, we don't bear fruit that is as beautiful and as um, wonderful, as tasty, as good, as prolific as it should be. But through God's grace, his healing and transforming power from the Holy Spirit, we're blessed with the opportunity to bear that good fruit. Uh, we just have to take that opportunity. You know, not long ago, probably a few months ago, God was dealing with my heart about some selfish desires I had. They dealt with things that I wanted to do that weren't what he wanted me to do. And what I can promise you is that even though killing your selfish desires takes a lot of hard work and pain at times and diligence, it is well worth it. Because what he'll produce in you and give to you is far greater than you can ever imagine. I know this from experience. I know it doesn't always feel that way, but I know from experience it's true. When we want to leave our jobs and yet we can't seem to get hired someplace else, we wonder where God is in the middle of all of this and we keep asking him and we're tempted to just go out and get any old job so we can get out of where we are. Um, we have to hold on because God has a plan and he doesn't want you to go your own way to, to then end up cutting him, cutting yourself off from the vine because you ignored his call on your life. I know it's difficult. Oh, how I know, <laughs> but I also know he has a plan. The challenge is to kill that deep desire that comes from wanting something outside of God and outside of his will so bad that you're willing to walk away from his call on your life and put a wedge between you and God. And it can happen. It can happen with seeking other jobs. It can happen with romance and relationships, with, with choosing alcohol or drugs or, or with food issues, vacation plans, what church we choose to attend or not attend, a lot of things. Many things in this world can pull us towards them and towards it, towards worldliness and away from God's path for us. The challenge and the goal and the, the commission to us from God is to die to those desires that are just plain outside of what he wants us so that we can tell other people about him and live the life that he calls us to live. But to know what he wants for us, we have to first know him. We have to make the time for him every day, talk to him, listen to him, study his word and and in knowing God, then we can come to know ourselves. And only until we truly know ourselves can we die to ourselves. Can we know what desires we have that are in his will and outside of his will? It's the only way we can know the good parts of ourselves and the bad parts of ourselves so that we can grow and make the changes that we need to make. So when we know him and we know ourselves better, then everything else is easier to see. It's, it's more plainly visual to us through that process he gives us what we need to be fed and watered and grow and and to grow and bear fruit like he calls us to so my hope and prayer is that if if you are not doing the things you need to do in order to keep on that trajectory of growth in the lord to bear fruit like he's called us to that you're able to stop just stop right now and pray that you pray um some a, a thought felt heartfelt prayer even if you don't have a whole lot of flowery words and it doesn't matter just pray just talk to him just like just like I'd talk to you just like you would talk to me just pray pray 
and then pray some more and then pray again. Take the time that you need to connect to the vine, to get fed, to let your spiritual thirst guide you to him so that you can not only bear fruit, but love bearing good fruit. So, so you can want it so much that the desire for things outside of God becomes minimal to nothing in your life. No, you're not ever going to be perfect and neither am I. So we might as well give up on that whole churchy looking good in my makeup and Sunday outfit attitude that we have when we want to go to church on Sunday. We don't need that to be a part of the body of Christ. Those are just optics. Looks great to others, but, but that's not what we need. We need to dig down into the truth that we need the vine, that he is the vine and we're the branches. Dig down into the fact that we want to bear good fruit and let that matter more than the things of this world and matter more than just being pretty little flowers. And there's not much better than being good fruit and bearing the fruit that God wants us to bear. It's just a part of his fruity plan. So thank you for tuning into this episode of the Woman Inspired podcast. Don't forget to hop on out to womaninspired.com. And until next week, I hope you have a blessed week and uh, it's filled with a lot of grace and time with God. 